The word but is an interesting little word, isn't it? Just to be clear, I'm talking about the word but spelt with one T, not two Ts. It's a three-letter word, but with significant consequences. And growing up, some of you parents know this, I think it was one of my parents' favourite words. They were like, yeah, you can go out with your friends, um, but you've got to tidy your room first. That was basically game over for me. Or um, 17th birthday, yeah, you can have a yellow Mini Cooper for your birthday, but you're going to have to work a lot of shifts on a Saturday to pay for it. Clearly that dream's still dead. And even this Christmas, it's been two decades, right, since I left home, the but re-emerged. My dad was like, yeah, you can go bowling with your brother tonight, but if you do, you can't go and see grandma tomorrow. And even though I felt like I'd sort of regressed to the teenage version of me, sat on the sofa in a sock, it was fair enough. We didn't really want grandma catching COVID from a bowling ball or something. <laughs> the word but can, it can um, ruin the most sincere apology, can't it? You know, oh, I'm so sorry that I said those really unkind things. But you are quite annoying, <laughs> you know? A but can have such negative consequences, can't it? It's often the bearer of bad news. But in the scriptures, in, in this book, this three-letter word actually crops up over and over again, often with extraordinarily positive consequences. Check these out. In Genesis, it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. In the Psalms, my heart and my flesh, they may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In Matthew, with man, this is impossible, but with God... All things are possible. In Acts, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. In Romans, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you see what difference a but makes? You can laugh. And a little phrase that's kind of been on my mind since the, last, since the end of last year, in the midst of continued challenge and after a couple of tough years, is this, remember the but. Remember the but, and that's the title of this talk today. And, and my prayer is that wherever you're at, whatever you've got going on, that God would speak to you and you would leave here remembering the but. And one passage which is just full of a load of buts um, is, is found in 2 Corinthians. In fact, there's seven buts in just a few verses, and that's where we're going to be heading. So if you've got a Bible, grab one of these. And Corinthians is a letter, it's written by the Apostle Paul to a church in a city called Corinth, that's why it's called Corinthians. And it's clear when you read the letter that there's some tensions going on in the church, there's some sort of rogue teachers have come in, they're undermining Paul's teachings. At the same time, Paul's going around spreading the message of the kingdom and he's getting persecuted, properly persecuted. And now for us, you know, we're probably not getting persecuted, not in the same way that Paul was. But this passage is so relevant to us today because we can all empathise with challenge, can't we, right? You know, whether it's um, family stuff, work stuff, relational dynamics, finances, health, the January blues. For me, I can relate with a couple of those right now. And it felt like in January especially, my irritability threshold was just a little bit lower. Anybody know that feeling? And it kind of played out when I was driving in my car in my little Corsa. And I was like, had this underlying level of sort of low-level road rage. Anybody know that? And I was like, why are people driving at 20 in the 30? It's just so not necessary. Clearly, I've got a long way to go. And if you have seen me, I'm sorry. But as people say, the struggle is very, very real. And none of us 
None of us have been granted immunity from trouble. Jesus didn't promise us that. So let's jump in. We're going to read verses 5 to 12 to start off with. Okay. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, for God who said, let light shine out, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Here we go. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is also at work in you. That's a big old passage, isn't it, with you know, lots of complicated and maybe dense passages and, and, and verses and phrases in there. But the thing we're going to do this morning is we're going to try our best to figure out how did Paul remember the but in the midst of the challenge? And the first thing that jumps out to me is that, is that Paul discovered that God's power was available to him in his present weakness. Just like that song we were just singing in worship. Verse 7 kicks off like this, doesn't it? But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You know, I had a go at making a clay pot a while ago. Um, let's be honest, it was a disaster. Definitely not my forte. There was like, the thing was spinning around, so I don't know what you call the wheel thing, and there was wet clay just flying all over the room. And um, eventually I made something that resembled something like a clay pot. And um, it wasn't brilliant. It was, it was ordinary. When it came back from the kiln, it had cracks in it, and it could easily have been replaced. And I think that... that that experience is really helpful when we, when, we, when we think of the imagery that Paul is trying to use here. Because you see, back in the day, clay pots, they weren't anything special. They were cheap. They could be easily replaced. But the things inside the pot could be of immense value. And I think Paul is using this analogy to remind us that we're often like ordinary clay pots. We're just people, sometimes a little bit cracked, and a little bit broken. And let's be clear about this. Paul isn't trying to diminish our value in this. You know, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We are his precious children. But he's trying to use this image to, contra to contrast and to say, it's the treasure that is of immense value. Remember the but. The treasure is hidden inside of us. And so I think a good question for all of us is like, well, if this treasure inside of us is so great, what on earth is the treasure? Is the treasure? Well, Paul uses, he uses highly descriptive and dense language, but it's clear that he's talking about the gospel. Verse six says, the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. The gospel message is the treasure. It's in the gospel that you find hope. It's in the gospel that we can have a relationship with Jesus that lasts forever. It's in the gospel that we're loved and we can stand here and sing, cast up your love, you know, over and over again. We can't stop his love. It's in the gospel that all things are being made new and being restored. And that Paul says just a little bit later, therefore, if anyone 
anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. And that's why Paul sticks his big button right at the beginning of verse seven. One T, not two. He's able to go on to say, we're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And I don't know how you, you, you hear that. For me, I'm like, what a relief. What's a relief? Because Paul isn't in denial. You know, he's not saying, oh, this treasure inside of me is just so valuable that happy days I'll just crack on. In fact, persecute me more. I would just absolutely love that. He's not saying that. He acknowledges the pain. Paul acknowledges the pain. He's naming the suffering that he's experiencing or the death in his body as he describes it. But it's not where his story ends. It's not where the story ends. He remembers the but. Yes, he's just like a clay pot. He's struggling. But he knows that the all-surpassing power that is working through him is from God and it's not from him. Yes, his body is being battered by death. But Jesus' life is being revealed. He's proclaiming the gospel. Jesus is Lord and there is tangible hope. You know, Paul knew that there was present power in his weakness. Preparing this, I came across a lady called Zilpha Elor. And um, she, was, she was born in the 1790 in Pennsylvania in the USA. And Zilpha, she, in her memoirs, she wrote that she had these encounters with God where she um, really felt him calling her to go and spread the word much like um, the Apostle Paul. And so she did it. She went for it and she went around travelling around. Now you see, for Zilpha, even though she was a free woman, this was actually a big deal and it was really, really dangerous for her because in the, some of the southern states in the USA back then, Spreading the gospel and holding religious meetings could actually get you legally taken and sold as a slave. It could get you to receive 39 lashes. I don't know how you would respond. Zilpha took heart from Paul's words and she just kept going. She described herself as an earthen vessel, a clay pot. God's strength prevailed in her. You know, the obstacles that she faced with, from her race and from her gender, they allowed God's strength to prevail in her in the face of opposition. The limits that society would put on her, Zilpha Elor, she remembered the bar. You know, and I see that here in this church as well. Just over a year or so ago, I had the absolute privilege of leading a funeral for Paula's husband, Jack. Paula's here this morning. Many of you will know her and love her as I do. And... Um, it was under the most difficult of circumstances, right in the middle of COVID, a socially distanced funeral. And many of you might well have experienced that. And just in the crematorium, Paula was sat right in front of me as I led the service. And it was very, very raw. You know, there was real pain and real sadness, deep, deep grief. But in the middle of that service, God, Paula allowed God's strength to prevail in her. And the only way I can kind of describe it to you is it was like Paula had this like hope in her eyes. She had hope in her eyes and it was almost as if she was literally allowing God and, and her faith to carry her through that moment. And I was scrolling through my text just the other day and Paula sent me this the day after that funeral saying this, I have a father, a brother and a saviour all on my side looking after me. That was in capitals. She's making a strong point. 
No one can, can snatch me from their protection. Though we walk through troubled waters, we will not be overwhelmed. That's the truth. What a response. What a response in the midst of the most heartbreaking of circumstances. Paula's faith and the message of the gospel shined bright in that moment and the impact it had not only on me personally, but on her family who don't know Jesus from that day and to now is profound. So I wonder today, maybe you're watching this online, what would it look like for God's strength to prevail in you with whatever you're facing? We don't have to live in denial. That is such a relief. Our pain and our struggles, they're real. And the reality sometimes, even though we know that, that Jesus is with us, it can be incredibly hard. But the reason that both Paula and Zilpha were able to respond the way they did is because the treasure of the gospel not only meant that Jesus promised to be with them, but there was a hope of future glory, a future hope that was able to transcend the current situation. And that's the second thing I want to look at. We're in verse 13 now, back in our passage. It is written, I believed, therefore I've spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise with us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, because what is seen is temporary, but on what is unseen, because what is unseen is eternal. Again, there's some complex sort of language in there. And I'd encourage you, if you want to dive a little bit deeper into these passages, do get a commentary and have a look because there's some amazing things going on in there. But what Paul is saying is he's saying, one day we'll be resurrected like Jesus. Yes, our bodies might be wasting away, but we are being renewed by his spirit. But our hope is in the future raising of, from the dead. There's an eternal glory that's waiting for us. And I don't know how when you heard those words, light and momentary troubles, does it feel almost offensive that Paul would say your troubles are light and momentary? Because to me it does. You know, I imagine sitting down with a grieving family and saying, well, really, your, your problems are kind of light and momentary. I mean, you wouldn't do that. And if somebody said to me, and that we're having a chat, and maybe two hours I spent telling them all my challenges and woes, and at the end they say, well, Susie, they're really just light and momentary they may get a punch in the face. <laughs> but in a sense, it is challenging, isn't it? Because it's true. Yes, there are very real challenges. And some of you in this room online are, are experiencing horrendous things right now. But in light of the message of the gospel and the future glory, they are actually light and momentary. And I think that's why Paul can describe his suffering in this way. It's why he can say, I'm hard pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed because the hope of the future glory, it is so real to him. And it can be that real to us. You know, our present suffering, it, it will one day come to an end. And with our new resurrected bodies, we'll never suffer again. 
And then we'll have a whole eternity with Jesus and also with each other. Hopefully that's a good thing for you. Stuck with me forever. What a dream. And um, I love reading Bible passages about the new creation. Some of you, I'm hoping that laugh is a good laugh. Anyway, (laughs) reading passages about the new creation, when God sets everything right, Revelation 21, loads of us know it, it says this, then I saw what? A new heaven and a new earth. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things, that's passed away. He who was seated on the throne says, I'm making everything new. Incredible. Talking again about the resurrection, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written, that will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? And ultimately, as Paul says, mortality will be swallowed up by life. What a hope we have. You know, what a future we have. For those of us that know Jesus, guys, this is our future. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus or you're watching online, there is an invitation to you today. Come and meet him. That's what the treasure in the jars of clay is. It's the gospel. And it's in the gospel that we have present power in our weakness, but we also carry around this future hope. And it's in light of all of that, that Paul comes out with that banger of a verse, verse 16. We do not lose heart. Basically, don't give up. Remember the but. Don't lose heart. Fix your eyes. Remember verse 18. So we fix our eyes, not on what's seen, because that's temporary, but we fix our eyes on what is unseen, because what is unseen is eternal. Paul is saying, don't lose heart. Do not give up. And I want to encourage us, encourage myself, whatever it is that you feel like you're up against, maybe today, maybe it's in the challenges that will come, remember the but. Remember the but. And a practical way of doing that is to take Paul's advice. It's about where we fix our eyes. He says, fix your eyes not on the temporary stuff, but fix your eyes on the eternal stuff. And I think we've got to be careful here because The temporary stuff, it can seem quite attractive, can't it? You know, the stuff in front of us, I don't know what it is for you, but it can be so satisfying. It's almost like it woos us and can woo our attention. For me, this little thing woos my attention way too much of the time. And if we're not careful, it can steal our heart's affection. Just at the end of last year, I bought a hot tub. And um, before you wonder if I won the lottery, I did. Brilliant. No, I didn't. Um, It was like this Black Friday deal, and honestly, it's like this glorified paddling pool, some would say. But I love it. It's absolutely amazing. And in the coldest days of January, it was so hot. I was in there. It was absolutely brilliant. And one night, I got in there after a particularly stressful day, and I was with a friend, and I said out loud something along these lines, I have finally found what I've been looking for. (laughs) 
This is the glory. Oh my days, I think I just need to be in this hot tub every day and all my problems would just disappear. You know, in that moment, I was totally satisfied. All my immediate needs were met. And hear me right on this, I'm not a hot tub hater, obviously. I'm not saying you can't or we can't enjoy nice things. But what I am saying is they're temporary. They are temporary. And let's not deceive ourselves. They are temporary. And in my case, so is that hot tub. Because it turns out the electricity bill is going to bankrupt me. (laughs) And um, I did the maths and I think it was coming in about four grand a year or something. So it's absolutely crazy. So it's turned off now. But um, (laughs) I know that's a little silly example. But hopefully you can understand what I'm trying to get out today. And I wonder, what is it for you? Like, what's your hot tub equivalent? You know, what are the temporary things that are right in front of you that have your attention and your heart's affection? Maybe career. Maybe like a dream of this thing or that thing. Getting brilliant grades at school or uni. The dream of a relationship, the, the holiday that you're just scrolling the internet for. And as I said, these things, they're not bad things. But we can't deceive ourselves. They really are temporary. They're temporary and the eternal stuff has got to have our greater affection because it lasts, not just now, but it lasts for eternity. And so if you want to be a people, if we want to be a people who remember the but, not just in the good times, but also in the bad times, can I encourage us, fix your eyes on the eternal stuff. You know, feed yourself on scripture. Don't feed yourself on the BBC website or Instagram or TikTok. Some of you don't know what that is, but don't worry about it. Abandon yourself in worship. Cry out to him in prayer. Be desperate for his presence. Take kingdom risks and kingdom opportunities. Share your faith because as Christians, you know, the way we handle our struggles and our challenges, we have a massive opportunity. We have a massive opportunity, like Paul, to point people to the treasure, to the, measure, to the message of the gospel. And you know, if we're meeting people and we're listening to their challenges, of course we sit with them in their pain. We sit with them in their pain. But there is a massive but when you know Jesus. And let's be people who are prophesying hope, who are pointing people to hope, pointing people to a future glory by remembering the but. There's power in present weakness. There is hope of future glory. So let's not give up. Let's not lose heart. And let's fix our eyes.